Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Prophet David Ward, the first thought that comes to your mind, maybe some people will ask, why do we need to discuss this man? This man is a man who is preaching the Bible and he said said to be a man of God and he is working miracles and people are following him on a Sunday and he is serving his God and we also serve our God. Why should we try to investigate uh, this man? But what I want us to, uh, to see is that for you as a pastor, God actually calls you to think about a ministry like that of David O'Ward. God calls you to think hard about it, to make a decision about it, and to act on that decision. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Titus chapter 1. Just as we try to answer why, why should we spend time investigating another preacher. Turn to Titus chapter 1. And in Titus chapter 1, God gives us the the qualifications of a pastor. How do you know who is a pastor? How do you determine a man that should be a pastor? And many qualifications are given from verse 7 But then when he gets to verse 9 of Titus 1, he says that this man who will be a pastor, he must hold firm. Now you should be applying that to yourself if you are a pastor. You must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that you may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That's a qualification for a pastor. You know the word of God, you hold firm to it, you're able to teach it, but you're also able to rebuke those who contradict it. That is your job description. It has been given to you, you have signed it. You've said, I will do this job. I will clearly understand the word of God and I will rebuke those who contradict it. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 it tells us but false prophets okay false prophets meaning there are false prophets false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. That's a prophecy from the word of God. There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master. So the word of God is clear that false teachers are going to be there. And for you as a shepherd of the sheep, If your people are going to listen to any preacher, 
you need to tell them this is a good preacher you can listen to him this is a false teacher you should not listen to that one God has called you to exercise judgment and discernment so that you can shepherd your people let's go ahead to 1st John chapter 4 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 John is writing, he is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to every believer and he tells you and he tells me, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but do what? What does he say? Test every spirit. You are commanded to test every spirit. And so what we are doing now is testing the Spirit, asking, is this man a prophet of God? Should we embrace him as one of us? Or is this man a false teacher? Should we warn our people against him? Beloved, test every spirit. Again, he, 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 he says, test every spirit to see whether they are from God. And the reason why you need to do that is because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the Bible is saying, if a man comes to us and says, I am a prophet of Jehovah God, we need to test the spirit behind that man. Because many false teachers, false prophets have gone out. So this is your solemn, serious, biblical duty to form a truthful judgment about this man who is a well-known prophet in our country. God commands us to do that in his word. So we are not passing judgment, we are testing the spirit of this man because many false prophets have gone out. That's a clear command in the Word of God. You have that in Deuteronomy 18. We won't go there. Again, God rises to the children of Israel and God says to them, When a prophet rises amongst you and says, The Lord has spoken, you must test. You must find out if what he says agrees with the law of God. You must see if what he says comes to pass. And if you find that man to be false, don't believe that man. Even if you go to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 14, when God gave prophecies to the church, Paul commands that if a man has a prophecy, let him stand before the church, let him say that prophecy, and let the church weigh, weigh, pima, weka kwaratili, angalia, is this prophecy a true prophecy or not? God commands the whole church to do that in 1 Corinthians 14. And so this is not just something for pastors, it is for the whole church to test these prophecies. The other reason why it is important that we do this as Christians and as pastors is that the enemy's main tool against human souls is deception. Deception is the enemy's main tool against souls. When you go back to the garden in Genesis 3, God gives a command to Adam 
and Eve. And God has a plan. And this garden, they are meant to cultivate it, grow it, expand it, extend it. And the enemy comes. And what does the enemy do? He says to Eve, Did God really say that if you eat of this tree, you will die? And then he says to Eve, No, 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 no. Actually, if you eat of this tree, you will become like God. He is perverting the word of God. God has said, but he says God did not really say. He is deceiving Eve. Satan is the first false teacher. False teaching or deception is Satan's tool. In fact, in 1 John we are told that the Antichrist is coming. But before the Antichrist comes, many false teachers will come. It is like when the president is coming to a certain place and, uh, and when you stand near the road and you see the president is coming, first of all you see those big white motorbikes. They'll be coming and then you'll see those cars will be coming and then finally you see the president is coming. In that way is how these things happen. The false teachers come before. They are the people who usher the nearness of the Antichrist because they are deceivers the same way the person who is coming after them is a deceiver. That's the way that uh, uh, John describes the coming of false teachers. The devil uses deception. When you look at the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 11, again you see the same, same thing. 2 Corinthians 11. Paul is concerned about the church. He says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his own cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul is fearful that the church they will be led away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And who leads them away? Paul has been speaking about the false apostles in this book. But now he says it is the serpent. Because when the false prophets and apostles are working, it is the serpent who is at work. That's what Paul is saying. That the devil will lead you the serpent, the way he deceived Eve, your thoughts will be led astray. They are agents of Satan through deception. When you go to Revelation chapter 12, you find that description of the serpent when he comes to attack the woman. And in verse 9, Revelation 12, we are told the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan and who? The deceiver, the deceiver of the whole world. Deception is the enemy's tool. It's how he captures the soul of men and he keeps those souls from going to Christ. He leads them away from a pure devotion to Christ. 
So we want to be careful about these prophecies. Is this man telling the truth of God? Because we know that the enemy uses deception to hold back the souls of men from coming to the Lord and entering the glory of God. Our greatest danger is not a bad economy or accidents or HIV AIDS. Those things can destroy the body but they cannot destroy the soul. But false teaching destroys the soul because it keeps the soul from coming to Jesus Christ, to a true devotion to the gospel. That is why it is important that we ask ourselves, are these teachings around us true teachings? We are pastors, we love the sheep. We need to guard the sheep. We are shepherds, we have a rod, we have a staff, and that rod is for directing the sheep, but it is also for hitting the wolf, isn't it? The Lord has made us shepherds. The gospel of Jesus is too precious. Not care if the person who has a big church near your area is a true preacher of the gospel. The gospel is too precious, too, too precious. Some of us are more concerned and worried and angry and ruffled up when our favorite politician is spoken against. We cannot sleep We say, no, I must correct that error. No, 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 no. What you've said is false about my preferred political candidate. But when error is spoken about your Lord, you let it pass. The Lord is more precious than any man. And so if any prophet or any teacher is propagating error about the Lord, we cannot be quiet. We cannot be quiet. Now, we've already seen that we need to be thinking about whether this teaching we hear is a true teaching or not. Now, let me get to my second uh, problem. How do we know that this is a false teacher, or this is a false prophet, or this is a false apostle? How do we know? What if this man, what if David O'War, for example, is doing great miracles? Don't, doesn't the miracle prove that he's a man of God? Look, there's a lady who was raised. Look, there's a man who was healed, who was a cripple. Look, there's a man who had HIV AIDS, now he's positive. Miracles are happening. But brothers, let me ask you, do you know that the Bible is clear that even false teachers can perform true miracles? Do you know that? Turn with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, our Lord, our Lord Jesus is speaking about the coming of of the, his second return and he's warning us in verse 24 he says that false messiahs false Christs and false prophets will arise and what will they do 
they will perform great signs and wonders. Does it say they'll perform false signs and wonders? No, they'll perform great signs and wonders. False Christ, false prophets, performing great signs and wonders. And so the fact that a man is performing great signs and wonders does not prove that he is from God. If anything, it might even show that these are the false Christs that Christ spoke to us about. So don't look at the miracles of a man. Those miracles might just be showing you that what Jesus said is coming true. Men performing great signs and wonders and they are false messiahs and they are false Christ. Miracles don't prove that a man is from God. If you look at Mark chapter 13, Verse 22, again you see the same, same thing. Mark 13, 22. Again it says, false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders and they will lead astray, if possible, even the elect of God. Miracles don't prove that a man is a true prophet. Jesus prophesied that miracles will be the mark of false prophets. Jesus' prophecy is saying that miracles will actually be the mark of false prophets. This was the case even in Deuteronomy. If you turn back to Deuteronomy 13, again the Lord is warning his people against false prophets because that is how the devil has always been working. And in Deuteronomy 13, the Lord is speaking to them and he says this, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, he arises amongst you, he gives you a sign or a wonder, he does wonderful things. If he arises among you, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, he says there will be an earthquake and an earthquake happens. It comes to pass. And if he says, now there is what he performs, but now you're being told, what does he say? If he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen. So God is telling them, don't look at the signs and wonders, look at what he says. Look at what he says. And brethren, that's what I want us to do now. I want us to look at what David O'Ward says. That is how we judge if he is a true prophet or not. Not using his miracles. What he says. It is the teachings of a person that we look at. And if his teachings contradict the word of God, then we know he is a false teacher. The Bible calls us to compare this truth with what is in the Word of God. 
That is why Paul commends and speaks in a great way about the Bereans. The Bereans were more noble than the other Christians because after the apostle preached, they went and searched if these things were true. I know we have Christianity where people are expected to not question the man of God, not look if what the man of God is saying is true, but because deception is common, the Lord himself has told us in his word to search if these things are true. Does this person's teaching exalt Jesus Christ? Or does it exalt the man? When Jesus Christ was about to ascend, he gathered his disciples in the upper room. And he tells them that I am leaving, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. And the Holy Spirit is going to tell you about who? About me. He will exalt me. John 16 verse 14. He will exalt me. That is Jesus is saying, the Spirit will exalt him. Any teaching that does not exalt Jesus Christ, but exalts a man, where the face of that ministry, the best known name in that ministry, is not Jesus Christ, it is a man. That teaching is not of the Spirit of God. Turn to John 16 with me. John 16. So before we investigate uh, this prophet, we are just laying down the tape measure that we will use to measure him. I'm just describing why we should measure him and how we are to measure him. John 16, very clear. I still have from, from verse 13, when the spirit of truth when the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then Paul later on speaking says that whoever exalts the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that is the man who is speaking from the Spirit of God. So brothers, the test is very clear. The prophecies, are they true? Are they according to the Word of God? Is it exalting Christ? Miracles don't prove anything. And then Christ, when he's speaking about false prophets in Matthew 7, he says, you shall know them by their, their fruits, isn't it? You shall know them by their fruits. However, I don't want to go into uh, all these things that are all over there on the internet uh, about the private life of a world. Uh, I think in due time, God will make those things clear. I want to make this session simply about comparing what he says. Remember? In Deuteronomy, what he says. So let us go through a number of teachings of what David O'War actually teaches. And I, I want us to see the conclusion 
which might be very uncomfortable for some of us. But we are going to see that according to God's word, according to what he says, according to his teaching, David O'War is not a true prophet of God. Number one, uh, O'War claims that he is John the Baptist and Elijah. Has any of you heard that? Have you heard that? Just by a show of hands if you know that to be true. Thank you. He says that he is John the Baptist and he is Elijah. However, because this is going to be a Bible study, because I want us to compare the teachings of a word and the word of God, I, I don't want to tell you, I want you to see for yourself in your own Bible that a word is not speaking according to what the Holy Spirit says in the Bible. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 11, Jesus Christ actually speaks about John the Baptist. And uh, he is not going to tell us about David O'War. Matthew chapter 11. If you look at verse 4, Jesus tells the people that uh, have come to him, he says, go and tell John, that is John the Baptist, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Christ is referring to himself. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning who? John. And he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. John is even more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will do what? Prepare your way before you. It is John the Baptist who prepares the way for Christ. And then Jesus goes on to tell us, Among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent taken by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Listen to this. All the prophets and the law prophesied until who? Until John. And then after John comes who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah? Do you remember the parable that Jesus gave about a servant who had uh, a vineyard? And there was a vineyard and uh, this master went on a long journey. Remember that? This master goes on a long journey and then he leaves these servants to take care of the vineyard. And then he sends one person and what do they do to that person? They kill him, isn't it? And then he sends another and then they kill him. And then he sends another, and then they kill him. And then finally, he sends his son. 
isn't it? And what do they do to the son? They kill him. Does he send another person after the son? He does not. After they kill the son, he comes back. And he takes care of those servants. Meaning there's nobody else going to be sent after Jesus Christ as a prophet of God to warn the church. Nobody. If anybody comes, he's going to be greater than the Son of God. Because these people didn't listen to the Son of God. God had another servant to send who is now greater than his son. And God is saying they didn't listen to Christ, but to this one they will listen. No. No, that cannot happen. That is the whole point of Hebrews chapter 1. Just stand there with me. Hebrews 1 is making that exact point. And he says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by who? The prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by who? His Son. So the contrast is between the prophets and the Son of God. The prophets, God spoke by them long ago, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. And then He goes on to explain the glory of the Son. The Son has been appointed the heir of all things. This is Jesus through whom God created the world. Jesus Christ, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God. God has sent the radiance of His own glory. God has sent the exact imprint of His nature. The one who upholds the universe by the word of His power. The one who made purification for sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There is no one greater for God to send after God sent His own Son. The exact imprint of His own image. There is no prophet that God has now sent to address the whole church after He has sent the exact imprint of His own image, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Owar is not the mightiest prophet of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the mightiest one who has been sent by the Father. So Hebrews 1 is explaining the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who God sent after God spoke by his prophets. No more, no other servant greater to come after the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that very claim that word is the mightiest prophet of God is just not true coming after Christ has been sent. And so, if you go back to the text where we were in Matthew 11, Jesus explains that John the Baptist, who is the last prophet sent to the people of God before Jesus comes, he says that John the Baptist, now we are in verse verse 14, he says that, after he says all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, he says, if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. John the Baptist is Elijah who is to come. Then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
the person who fulfills the prophecy of Malachi the person who is the Elijah who God has sent was John the Baptist and he already came he was the last one before the father sent his son the exact imprint of his own image brothers there is no room there for David Wood. that seat Jesus Christ is sitting on that seat that seat of the final full prophet who will reveal the glory of God to us who will call people to final repentance who will baptize people by fire even though John baptized by water that person is the Lord Jesus Christ himself nobody else and so the claim to be the mightiest prophet of God is flying in the face of the word of God another claim so we've looked at the claim that he is John the Baptist and Elijah we've seen that the Bible says that John the Baptist was the one who came in the spirit of Elijah and then we've seen that Christ is the last one after God has spoken by his prophets and nobody comes after Christ in that line and then number three David O'Ward claims that he is the prophet that Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 18 so the Lord says in Deuteronomy 18 that I will raise up for the people a prophet like you like Moses from among their brothers and then he goes on to, to describe him he says I will put my words in his mouth he will speak it to them um, and then he says and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name I will require it of him so this is the prophet who must be listened to the one who will be sent from amongst your brothers that's verse 18 now it's very interesting that Muslims say that this text is referring to Muhammad very interesting and William Branham said that this this prophet is referring to him and David O'War now also says that this prophecy is referring to him but do you know that the Bible actually tells us who this prophecy is referring to if you flip forward to Acts chapter 3 when Peter is preaching in Solomon's portico Peter says and now brothers I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ will suffer he fulfilled in this way repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and then he goes on in verse 22 still speaking about Christ he says Moses said the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you he's quoting Deuteronomy 18 and he's referring to Christ 
He's preaching about Christ, appealing to Deuteronomy 18.18. That text is about Jesus Christ. And so when a word says that this text is about me, he is lying. That is not the word of God. God cannot contradict his word. Peter is referring to the prophecy of Moses and he's saying it refers to Jesus Christ. It is not referring to David Ward. So his whole ministry, if it is based on this, it is simply not true. That's what the Bible is saying. And then he also claims, and this is a claim that is so huge, uh, where a word says that nobody can enter heaven without listening to a word, without following the ministry of David Ward. Big confusion in the church. God is never irrelevant. He cannot send me and then you say, no, me I will enter without him. Did you understand that part? Yes. So he's saying, God is not irrelevant. God cannot send me and then say that somebody can enter heaven without me. Can you imagine that? Keep playing. Now this is a very critical part. Exactly. Meaning, you can never ever ignore the prophet of the Lord. Exactly. Did you understand me? Exactly. So you cannot say, no, let me, I want to go to him direct. You would endeavor to find out what message has he brought. So, a word says that God cannot send him and then you say you want to enter to heaven and you ignore a word. You must enter through a word. You must uh, follow his ministry. What did Jesus say about the way to the Father? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Brothers, um, some of these videos are just so hard to watch because they are so blasphemous. Strictly based on the word of Thank you. Brothers, this is not a man operating with the spirit of Jesus Christ. If he has become the way for you to enter heaven, he has become greater than Christ. Now you cannot go only by Christ, you also need to follow him in his word and his ministry. Can that be the spirit of Jesus Christ speaking? Raising another man and putting him in his place as another way to God the Father, to heaven? And so I want to encourage you to not be shy, to be very bold to proclaim that this cannot be the Spirit of God. It contradicts the Word of God. It contradicts important sections of the Word of God. That very claim that you cannot enter heaven 
um, if you ignore a word. Uh, a word ministry is known as repentance and holiness, right? And the reason why it's very attractive, repentance and holiness, is because uh, when you look at the media, you see many, many pastors uh, are, are behaving very badly. You see the media is exposing men like uh, Kanyari, the way he's tricking people, he's putting potassium permanganate in water and pretending it is blood. Uh, there are many cases of immorality in churches and the word is speaking against it and is saying repent and be holy. And he tells, he tells people that now you only have two options. Go to those churches where they, they have immorality and the pastors are sleeping with uh, choir leaders and the pastors are all about you. Or you follow me. Yeah? And people think, oh, so there's no other option of a faithful church. I either go to Kanyari or a word, as though there are only two options. Yet God has preserved a big number of faithful pastors who are preaching his word, who are preaching the truth of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. But he's deceiving people that there are only two options. Go to that very, very bad extreme or come to me. And so people are coming to war. People are coming to war. People are coming to war. And people are going away from Christ. Remember what Paul said. That I fear that the same way the devil deceived Eve, he will draw you from a pure and sincere devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what is happening. People are drawn away from a sincere devotion to Jesus Christ. So repentance and holiness. And the way that you repent and are holy is that you dress a certain way. Right? There's a dress that somebody has to wear. I think you know the dresses. I, I don't have to explain it. You know where the collar reaches. You know where the arm reaches. You know where the ankle down reaches. And they say that is repentance. It is modesty. And if you're a man, you must wear like me, wear a suit all the time. That is holy dressing. Yeah? If you're wearing a t-shirt, please, it's, it's not holy. According to uh, 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 this, this, this movement. But that is not true. When the Bible speaks about repentance, when the Bible speaks about holiness, the Bible does not speak of the things the word speaks about. He's using biblical words, but he's not using the word biblically. You understand? He's using the words of the Bible, but he's not using them the way the Bible means them. So repentance in the Bible, for instance, has never been about the, the, the length of your, the style of your dressing and you leaving your church to go join an altar. Look at Matthew chapter 3, so that again we see this in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 verse 7. This is John the Baptist speaking. This man who our claims is him. He says, when he, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, 
coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then verse 8 he says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is about the bearing of fruit. It is about turning away from sin and turning towards the living God. The word repent simply means to turn, to turn around, a change, a turning, to turn away from something and towards something, metanoia, turn around. It is not about changing external things. When Jesus speaks about those horrible woes to the Pharisees at the end of Matthew, he tells them, who unto you? Because you make your dressing very long, and you make the things that the law that hangs on your neck very thick, and you look so godly, and you pray in public, and people fear you, but you are like whitewashed tombs. You're stinking, you're dead, you have bones inside you, you are filthy, but outside, oh, you're so well painted. Because true repentance is not about external things, it's about a change of heart. It's about turning from sin and turning towards the Lord Jesus Christ. It is forsaking you being Lord over yourself and accepting Christ to be Lord over you. That is biblical repentance. It is not about whether you wear a t-shirt or you wear a shirt or you wear a skirt or you wear a full flowing dress. That has nothing to do with repentance. It's about bearing fruit. That's what John taught. That's what the prophets in the Old Testament thought, taught. Turn to Joel chapter 2. And Joel says the same exact thing. In fact, we won't need to turn there so that we can use our time well. Joel says the same thing. Repentance becomes about a change of heart. That's Joel 2, 3. When Isaiah speaks about fasting, he says fasting is not about missing food. Thought about tearing your garments. That's uh, Joel. Don't render your garments. He says, render your heart. Render your heart. Turn towards me. Don't offer me bulls and offerings. The sacrifices that God desires is a broken and a contrite heart. Brothers, that is the repentance you need to be teaching your people. It doesn't matter. If somebody is, is well-dressed, somebody is well-behaved, a young woman is so chaste and, and is, is sexually pure, she can go to hell with her sexual purity if she does not turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so repentance is not in itself about sexual purity or obeying parents or doing this and that. It's about turning from sin and turning towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you together? That is repentance, but that is not what David the Word teaches as repentance. His repentance is very much marked by leaving your church, and many of your church members perhaps have left and gone to this ministry. They leave, and they think they've repented. No, they've not turned to the Lord who is Lord over their soul. They've not turned to their maker. They think they have but they've been deceived by this man who thinks he is the way to heaven. 
Owor also makes some other self-exalting blasphemous claims. For example, he declares that he was transfigured. Yeah, you can see that in his website. Um, he, he claims that the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. Uh, just play for me the other video where a word makes another very blasphemous claim that I, I, I don't even want to say with my own tongue. So just, just uh, play it. I tell you, I wanted you to meet the mighty prophet of the Lord. And when the Lord comes to speak with him, when the Lord comes to speak with him, the Father, Baba, in the dream, when he comes to him, he always calls him, he calls him, my Lord, my Lord, look what they have done. Did you hear that? Yeah. When he says when God the Father comes to speak to the mightiest prophet, referring to himself, God the Father says, My Lord. Brothers, is that the spirit of the triune God talking? In that man? Even if you can see the wheelchairs are lifted there, please don't look at the wheelchairs. Don't look at the wonders. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. What he says cannot be of God. It cannot. So he's deceiving people because people are looking at the wheelchairs. They're not listening to the blasphemy that the man is speaking. Psalm 110 Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemy your footstool. Now, if you might not know what that means, the Bible interprets it for us. And so if you flip back to Hebrews 1, the Holy Spirit speaks and reveals to us who is referred to in that place. Verse 13. Yes, thank you. And to which of the angels, because he's saying it's not the angels, did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool? That whole portion is referring to the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this. This is very important for you to understand what is happening with the followers of David Award. So, Award makes a claim that is true of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then Award says that a dove descended on him. And then Award says he was transfigured. Do you see? He's beginning to make himself like who? Like Jesus, isn't it? And then he's, he's going to make all these claims. A word says that the Father speaks to him, calls him my Lord. And in that brochure you'll see the many other claims he's making. And so these people, they genuinely can see that if you leave a word, you have left God. 
We have left God. In fact, he says when God called him to the ministry, God the Father appeared in the room. And uh, John the Baptist was there. And Daniel was there. And Moses was there. At the transfiguration, who appeared? Moses and Elijah. But for a word, there are even more. In fact, even God the Father himself is there. So, who, who is greater? Do you see? Who becomes greater? Who world becomes greater than God, than, than God the Son? And so these people rightly see this person as the Lord, the way they call him, my Lord. So that's what's happening. This man is exalting himself, sitting in the seat of God. And you need to see that. You don't need to be afraid to call this man a false teacher. If you believe the Bible, and you believe the Bible is true, this man is against the Bible, and the Bible is against him. The things he claims for himself, the Bible claims for Jesus Christ. Are you together? It's very, very huge. Um, and then recently he's been claiming to be the two witnesses of Revelation 11. And that is also not true. Um, there are pictures online, he says, those pictures show that he is the two witnesses. And you can clearly see the picture is photoshopped. It's him and then there's another image of him. And his followers are told, and brothers, even as we, some of us are smiling, and we, we think it's, uh, it's really, really silly. But you know, deception, because it's a lie of the enemy, it can deceive the smartest of people. Yeah? Because it's a spiritual problem. And so when the word tells its people, I am two, I am two people, but you can't see the other person unless you see the pictures on my website. When you go to the website, you see it's him and another image just next to him, which has clearly been done by computer. People believe that you know he is the two witnesses, but you can't see the second one. You must see it on a picture. And you're thinking, how can someone believe that? But actually, it is very possible for someone to believe that because it is deception. It is deception. And because they are looking at the witness and the thinking of God, but it is not. In fact, if the miracles that the world does are true miracles, it just confirms that indeed he is a prophet of Satan. If those miracles are true, by whose power does he perform them? If he exalts himself above Jesus Christ. So brothers, this is serious business. Let me finish by saying how we should respond. Number one, I want to urge you, do not despair. Do not think, oh, I am just a local pastor, I can't perform any miracles, no one is coming to me, my church is small, I am not called to speak on TV, politicians don't come to me for repentance, who am I? Don't pity yourself. This is, this is spiritual and God will triumph. Don't despair. These things have happened before. I told you about people who have claimed to be this person. In fact, today when our brother was speaking about Joseph Smith, remember Smith himself says, 
that Jesus and God the Father appear to him. Remember? The leader of the Mormon. He says that. Branham did say he is Elijah. Branham was speaking about the rapture and the end of the world. And Branham healed people. And he died in an accident. And in fact, people expected him to be raised from the dead. He denied the Trinity. Some of his followers actually compared him to Jesus Christ. Some even thought that he was Jesus Christ. Some said that when he uh, baptized people, a, a light appeared to him. Those are the very exact claims that Owar makes. And Branham is not here anymore. He, will, he, he went. And the word will go. But the word of God will remain. The word of God will remain. Jesus Christ will triumph over false Christs and false prophets. Amen? He will triumph. So don't despair. Number two, let us pray. Let us pray for those who are caught up in this ministry. It is very deceptive. These people are very militant. They can fight with you. They are very strategic. They can flood Twitter and they trend. Uh, they can make a word become the top news in Kenya on, on Twitter. They are very strategic in how they work. They are just totally caught, totally sold out. They want to listen to you. If you speak out, they'll say you're jealous. Yeah? Pray for them. That is a sign of deception. Pray for them. As you speak to them, as you try to uh, uh, win them, Please pray for them. Please know it is not an intellectual argument. Maybe if you play to them a recording of this session, it might not change their minds. They might think, I am just jealous of the prophet, and so I am coming up with things. Or they might think that it is I who is deceived with my Bible, and I need to look at the wonders of the prophet. That's what they think. So pray for these people. Uh, number three, related to that, in your ministry, brothers, I beg you, in your ministries, exalt Jesus Christ. The way you know, according to John 16, 14, the way you know that the Holy Spirit is at work in a ministry is that Jesus Christ is exalted in that ministry. Not miracles are performed. Not people receive the breakthrough. That is not the sign of the Spirit whom Jesus will send in John 16. Is that He will exalt me. That's what Jesus says. That's how I can tell that the Spirit of God is moving in your ministry. You are exalting the Son of God. Exalt Christ. As you speak with these people, speak about the glory of Christ. If you take them through Hebrews 1 and they see those claims glorifying Jesus and they see, oh, as God opens their eyes through your prayers, bringing them the gospel in faith, they will see the glory of Christ and that he is greater than David would. So exalt Christ in your ministry. Even as you reach out to them, maybe you're, you're working, maybe you're here and you're not a pastor. You're working in a place of work with someone who goes there. 
talk to them, they are human beings before they are followers of the world. Just speak with them. But as you speak to them, go to texts, go to passages of scripture, go to Colossians 1, go to Hebrews 1, 2, and 3, go to um, Isaiah. Uh, speaking about the suffering servant, exalt Jesus Christ. Let them see the glory of Christ. The more they fall in love with Christ, hopefully by the power of God they will fall out of love with this imposter uh, that, that stands in the place of Christ in their eyes. So please exalt Christ. Number three, uh, number four, and lastly, model biblical repentance. Model of biblical repentance. Let them see someone who does not wear a suit every time. Okay. I mean, it's fine to to wear a suit. I have nothing against suits. Uh, but let them see someone who does not have those mannerisms, but who is walking in true repentance, who loves God, who is filled by the Spirit, who is showing love joy, patience, peace, kindness, long-suffering. Let them see the beauty of the Holy Spirit at work in the soul. And let them see that it is much more beautiful than the clothes that they wear. Model to them biblical repentance. Let your churches model biblical repentance. Let them know that the repentance of the world compared to the repentance of the Bible that this is much sweeter repentance and there's freedom there's freedom with this Paul says to freedom Christ has set you free let no man bring you again to a yoke of slavery these guys are in a yoke of slavery don't despair about them pray for them exalt Christ in your ministry and model biblical repentance for them thank you brothers Learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.